Psalm 33. While you're turning there, while you're turning there, at the end I'll have, uh, if I got three men volunteered to come pray, so be thinking about that while we are working our way through this, uh, and then while we are taking prayer requests at the end, uh, three men to volunteer to come up and pray at the end. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, even as we have just sung, truly you are worthy. You are worthy of worship. You are worthy of praise. And even as we confess that this evening, Father, we confess that we are unworthy. We know ourselves. We know the depth of our sin. And yet we rejoice. For you loved us and you sent your son to die for us. And this evening we can praise you and we can come before you and, and open your word and we can come before you in prayer boldly. Not because we are worthy, but in Christ alone. And we pray this evening as we look to your word that even as the psalmist does here in Psalm 33, that we would be moved to rejoice in the Lord. Creator, Savior, Sustainer, our Sovereign God. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples to no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people he has chosen as his inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you.
As you can see, Psalm 33 is a psalm of, of rejoicing in the Lord. It's a call for the people of God to praise their God. He's the God who made all things, the God who, who sustains all things, the God who faithfully rules all things. He starts out at the beginning with a call to praise, and then he gives us three reasons to praise. Praise him for his word, praise him for his faithfulness, praise him for his sovereignty. Therefore, that moves at the end of the psalm into praise him, hope in him, wait on him, rejoice in him. But it starts out with this call to praise in the first three verses. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Rejoice. It's the idea of to, to proclaim with jubilation, to proclaim loudly and joyfully, proclaim who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. It's interesting that, that Psalm 32, which we were in last week, Psalm 32, which, which focuses on, on the, the grace and mercy of God in forgiving the sinner, it ends in verse 11 with this, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. That's very similar to the very next psalm that starts, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord for his forgiveness, for his mercy, for his grace. Psalm 32 moves right into Psalm 33 then. Rejoice in the Lord because of who he is, for his word, for his sovereignty, for his faithfulness. Rejoice in him, you, you righteous praise from the upright. These are God's people. It is beautiful. It is proper, it is right for God's people to praise him. Praise the Lord with the heart, make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. It's an interesting phrase there, a new song. Love the idea of that, praising God with a new song. It's not necessarily a newly written song. It can be an old song, but through a new perspective. Singing eternal truths with new vision. An old song through a new lens. When you think of old songs, perhaps the first one that comes to mind is Amazing Grace. It's been around forever. It has an amazing message. And yet, each time we sing that song, even though it's an old song that proclaims old truths, it can be fresh in our hearts. Because each time we sing it, we've experienced more grace from God than we did last time we sang that song. Our perspective is constantly changing. I think, I think specifically that my mind, when it says, sing to him a new song, goes back to... Um, when Chris and I were in Indianapolis, and, and I think I've told this story before, you, there was the bus accident at the church we went to where the youth pastor, another lady in the church, uh, passed away in this accident. The youth pastor and his wife and their unborn child and this other lady. And I'll never forget the next Sunday, we sang, it was one of my favorite songs, It Is Well. But we as a church stood there and sang it, and I had never sung it in that way. It was a new song. I had a new perspective. 
And even now, eight years later, or six years later, however long it's been since then, now, as I sing that song and my mind goes back to that, even now I have a different perspective. I had a perspective in that moment, and now I sing that looking back on it, and I have a different perspective. In that moment, I was proclaiming truths I, that, that, that I was clinging to, that I hoped were true, that God is faithful, He is good, but I couldn't see that in the moment. And now, this time, years later, I look back and I see it. That same song, it's, it's a new song each time I sing it, because I'm singing from a different perspective. Praise God that we, we serve an eternal God. We serve a, a God who's, whose faithfulness never changes. And yet, as we sing to him, as we praise him, our perspective is constantly changing. We can sing old truths with new vision as a new song. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. Notice the word skillfully there. There's order to this. This isn't just noise for the sake of noise. There's order to this. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. But erupt with praise to God. Why? Well, first thing we see, verse 4 to 10, for his word. As you work your way through this, you see that his word is true, his word is just, his word is good, his word is powerful, his word is sure. The word of the Lord is, is right. All his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. All the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. It's the power of his word. As we see in Genesis and in John 1. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. He's the creator of all the earth. Therefore, all the earth should fear him. All the earth should praise him. Let all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of him. He's created all of them. Let them all stand in awe of him. He spoke and it was done. His word is sure. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. Verse 10 transitions now from his word, which is true, just, good, powerful, sure, to his faithfulness. And what it does in verses 10 and 11 is it contrasts the shaky plans of people with the sovereign plans of God. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of peoples of no effect. Their plans are shaky. You can't trust them. You don't know. But the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to, to all generations. Our God is faithful. In fact, it's because God is sovereign that we can know for fact that our God is faithful. It's the fact that, that our God is in complete control that we know, therefore, he's faithful. I've used the illustration before. I can tell my kids on Monday, on Saturday, we're going to the park. 
And I can mean that with everything in me. I can move my schedule around so that on Saturday we can go to the park and yet still there's things that are outside of my control. Maybe our car will break down before we can get to the park. Maybe it'll rain that day. Maybe something else will will come up in the church where I'll have to go and it'll take my attention away where I can't do that. I can make promises, but I am not in complete control of my environment to make sure 100% that those come to fruition, even if that's my intent. But God is. When God makes a promise, we can be sure that that promise will come to, to, to fruition. We can be sure that God is faithful because God is sovereign, because he's in control. Therefore, that's good news to the man who hopes in the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he's chosen as his own inheritance. It's important to remember as you're studying the Psalms that you're, you're, you're looking at songs written from a particular, for a particular people in a particular time and relationship. They are Israel. They are God's people. They are the nation, the, the, his own inheritance. They are his covenant people. But that doesn't mean that it's not applicable to us. We are not Israel, but we serve the same God. And so as we look to a psalm like this, where God's covenant people are praising him for his faithfulness, we see the character of our God expressed in his dealing with his covenant people. We can rejoice in that. He's just as faithful to us as he was to them. He's the same God. Time has changed. The church and Israel are are separate, and yet it's one God. We can rejoice in his faithfulness. So they say, blessed the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who's chosen his own inheritance... We could say, blessed is the man who trusts the Lord. He is faithful. Just as he was faithful to his people, he's faithful to his church. He's faithful to us as those who trust in him, who believe in him. So we've seen his word, praise him for his word, praise him for his faithfulness. Verse 13 to 19 then, praise him for his sovereignty. It builds on this idea. In verse 13 and 14, actually, 14 kind of repeats verse 13, you see God's transcendence and God's eminence. His transcendence, his his majesty, he's in control, he's authoritative, he's far above. And yet he's eminent, he's present, he's personal, he's intimate. The Lord looks down from heaven, far above, powerful, sovereign, And he sees all the sons of men. He sees everything, personal, intimate. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on the inhabitants of the earth. And we see his his eminence again here in verse 15. He fashions their hearts individually, intimately. This great, this powerful God is intimately at work in the individuals. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Romans 2 picks up on that language if he considers all their works and uses that to show that God is therefore a just judge. Because he considers all works, because he sees all things, because he knows all things, 
He alone is entirely just. Verse 16 and 17, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall deliver any by its great strength. Don't put your trust in these things. Don't, don't, don't run to these things. An army, a mighty man, a horse. Trust in God. God taught his people this lesson in a very tangible way. We just saw a couple months ago when we were in Joshua. If you remember, God's people go and they attack this, this, they defeat this massive army that has horses and chariots, and, and the army was way stronger. And yet, with God, they defeat them. But instead of taking the chariots and, and the horses then and using them to strengthen their own army, God tells them to kill the horse, God tells them to destroy the chariots. Why? Because our hope is not in chariots, our hope is in the Lord. It's the same truth we see here in verse 16 and 17. It's not about armies, it's not about strength, it's not about horses, it's not about anything that you can do. Trust me. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. This majestic God, this transcendent, powerful God, takes unique, intimate interest in his people. He cares for them. He leads them. He delivers them. So praise the Lord. Rejoice in him. Rejoice. Praise him for his word, for his faithfulness, for his sovereignty. Verse 20 to 22. Therefore, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we've trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Therefore, because of who God is, because of what God's done, we will wait on the Lord. We will rejoice in the Lord. We will hope in the Lord. Notice the order, though. Verse 20, wait. Verse 21, rejoice. While you're waiting, rejoice. Our soul waits on the Lord. He's our help. He's our shield. We're going to wait on him. We're going to hope in him. We're going to rejoice in him while we're waiting. Why? Because we have trusted in his holy name. We're not trusting in those armies. We're not trusting in those horses. We're not trusting in our strength. We're trusting in the Lord. So we will wait on the Lord. And while we're waiting, we will rejoice. We will remind ourselves who he is and what he has done. It reminds me of Philippians 4, 4-7. Pastor, many of us know, rejoice always. It's the same idea, Rejoice. In all situations, at all times, regardless, rejoice. It goes on, let your requests be made known. And yet there's a word in there that doesn't seem to fit. It's the word thanksgiving. I'll turn over there real quickly to Philippians 4. Verses 4 to 7, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. 
Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Notice how similar this is to Psalm 33, right? Wait, and while we're waiting, we'll rejoice. Look what it says here. Be anxious for nothing. In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving, while you're in that moment, while you're bringing your requests to God, while, while you're tempted to worry, don't worry. Instead of worrying, bring your requests to God and be thankful. How can I be thankful when my problem has not been resolved? You can be thankful because your God is in control. You can be thankful because of who your God is and what he has done for you and what he will do for you, what he has promised to do for you. And so as we see here in, in, in Psalm 33, wait on the Lord. We will rejoice in the Lord. It's very similar to what we see here in Philippians. In all situations, rejoice. Don't worry. Bring your requests to God. And while you're bringing them to God, bring them with thanksgiving. Our hearts should rejoice in him because, back to Psalm 33, because we have trusted in his holy name. Therefore, verse 22, God, hear us. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us. We're trusting in you. We're waiting on you. We're rejoicing in you. And we have confidence that we will see your mercy, that you will respond just as we hope in you. It's a psalm that calls for God's people to rejoice in him, to praise him for who he is, for what he has done. And the last three verses are very practical. Remember who God is. Now wait, rejoice, and hope. And know that God hears you, and you will see his mercy. I hope that's an encouragement to you. To rejoice in the Lord, to remember who he is, what he has done. To daily sing a new song to the Lord. To remember those, those old truths and to rehearse them. Thinking even of how this day I've seen God's grace and God's mercy and God's faithfulness. Rejoice in the Lord, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Therefore, we will hope in the Lord. I hope that is an encouragement to you, Psalm 33.